All right, good to have everyone back with us today on the Canceled Preacher Podcast. For me and my dad, Pastor Phil Hudson, we sit down and we talk about Christianity in America today, mostly focusing on, well, lukewarm Christianity and the need for revival. And uh, My dad preached a sermon uh, just, the other, just the other day, um, great sermon, the source of all liberalism. Where'd you get this, this idea? Well, I've actually been thinking about um, some of the problems that we've been having in America. And as our listeners know, I have preached a lot on revival ever since COVID. And we see America becoming much more socialism, socialistic and cal, um, communistic by the hour, really. And so I got to thinking, well, I want to deliver a message on where it all started from. The source of all liberalism. The source of all liberalism, which would include socialism in, in politics and religion as well. So a thought that I had when you were preaching this was, um, well, this sounds like a great sermon that would have been a, a great uh, precursor to the previous sermons, um, or at least a great follow-up as well, because yes. you defended your stance on the Word of God and um, literal interpretation, which has been, um, well, it's been uh, some, what we've leaned on for the past several episodes, which have been, well, of a controversial nature. I mean, everything you say is controversial. But, um, we <laughs> it talked about, used to be. Yeah, we talked about the shape of the earth, flat earth. We talked about should Christians go to the doctor. We talked, uh, um, you know, most Christians don't really believe the Bible. They say they do, but they don't. Right, they just don't follow what the Bible says. When we get sick, and as far as finances are concerned, God wants us to prosper financially. Now, I don't, I'm not a health and wealth preacher, but um, in the area of finances, we get into a mess in so many other areas just because we're practical atheists. We say we believe the Bible, but we don't practice the Bible. Yes, and uh, we've uh, fallen into this trap of putting the Bible in its own little um, compartment where we say it doesn't apply to other issues and say, well, a man, a, a preacher has no right or authority to give medical advice. That is a lie. Um, and, of course, the day is coming when we're going to be sued for medical malpractice or whatever for, for saying that. But a man of God is the most qualified to give health advice, not medical advice, health advice. Well, the, the Bible um, is the premier medical book. The man of God is more qualified to tell you about the cosmology um, than a, a Ph.D. scientist. That's right. Because they're starting from a false um, premise. Um, and so, but we have we have put... God and religion and the Bible and church in its own little compartment. And when you have these problems, then you got to go to these experts. Mental health is another big one. That's right. Um, as soon as you have mental health problems, those are spiritual in nature. Um, but the world has told us the church don't have the answers for those. you got to go lay on a couch for a half hour and spill your guts to somebody. Forever and a day. Um, they get you in, and then you got to come back, heaven knows how long. But you know what? You just go to an old-fashioned church, man preaches the gospel, get saved. That'll cover a lot of problems right there. Now, let me ask you this, because this is another thought I had. We did um, the Flat Earth, couple Flat Earth podcasts, and we did get some, some responses from that. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, we're always so ready, geared up for all the questions. But we don't get the questions. But we have people that come to us that say, well, I got my family that's given me these questions. And a lot of times I'm like, man, I wish, I wish I could talk to these people. I wish they'd come ask me this. Yes. But we don't get the questions. People know where we stand, and they, I guess they consider that we're just, you know, uh, as stubborn as a mule or whatever. But people who listen to us and then go tell other people about it, they get the questions. Right. And I wish that I could talk to folks like you because it is, well, 
if if a person believes the Bible, it won't take very long. But let me ask you this: Did this sermon was it a little inspired from some pushback from some of these other sermons you were getting? Perhaps, um, but um, what I try to do is preach relevant messages, and uh, of course, a lot of them geared toward what we can do to bring about revival. Now we're just a small town in a conservative state in the middle of America. And uh, can we do everything? No, but we can certainly do something. And, uh, boy, when the ship is going down, everybody can grab a bucket yeah. and start bailing out some water. We might not be able to do everything, but certainly it, my people are destroyed, God says, for lack of knowledge. And if we don't know, then we don't know how to defend ourselves against the onslaught of liberalism. Yeah. Well, and that's another thing. I mentioned this. I don't know if you agree wholeheartedly or not, but I said this the other day. I said, too many people are just too concerned with changing the world. And I think inst- God would rather just us be faithful. You are spot um, on. I think he'd rather us just be faithful in, in the little things, or what we think are little things. They're not little things. But um, everybody wants to, you know, ha- have this world-changing viewpoint or, or you know, a following. Everything uh, leads to something else. Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruits, and wisdom is justified in her children. In other words, the decisions that you make now, we're going to show up down the road. And so I see a lot of decisions that our country is making, especially the wicked, evil, ungodly president that we have in the White House right now. I don't even know if he's making any decisions, but somebody is, and they're making the wrong decisions. So you're either going one or two ways. Jesus said, you know, you can't serve two masters. You love one, hate the other despise one, hold to the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And so what the devil wants to do is just bring us along little by little, steps in the wrong direction, and one step leads to another. Just like 50 or 60 years ago, Canada would never have dreamed of having a, a you know, a leader like Justin Trudeau, mm. you know, the, say the crown prince, more like the clown prince to me. <laughs> he is a communist. Mm. And if America doesn't stop, what we're doing, we're, we are on the same road that Canada was on just about 30 years ago. Yes. We got to get off of that road. Yes. And it's scary to see it so close. It seems like whatever starts in Europe kind of trickles its way over here and then that, and it goes up to Canada. And then it, the next thing you know, you know, because they're right across the border, then we're doing the same thing. But um, anyway, so the source of all liberalism. Well, your, your introduction was so great. I was going to play it, but I don't have it hooked up right now. But you said you went to. Genesis chapter 3, and uh, you said the, the source of all liberalism, it came down to the Word of God and our handling of the Word of God. Yep. Now, the first thing I said after we read the Scriptures was Proverbs chapter 14, verse number 12. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. See, we're supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. And so where do we put our faith? <clears throat> we're putting our faith in the devil. That's what we're doing. And uh, so the devil questions the word of God, and we just fall right in line. And that's really the source of all liberalism right there. What the devil did was pit one authority against another. God is saying this, but the devil is saying to Eve, I am saying this. Mm-hmm. I believe that God's word settles, <clears throat> settles um, every issue. You know, for example, the reason why that I and we here stand against homosexuality is because God does. When you throw out the word of God or you start tampering with the word of God, then it's just a matter of time before you'll be accommodating 
homosexuals, just like you were saying the other day in the Asbury Revival. Yep. So the most people that uh, that you're preaching against, I don't want to say you're preaching against you know, these, you know, you are preaching against these ideas, but most people that hold to these ideas, you know, the liberal churches, um, non-fundamental Baptist churches, or even some fundamental Baptist churches that take a, what we would call a liberal approach to God's word, they would say, they would say, well, no, I don't do any of that. I, I believe the Bible. Yeah, I believe the Bible. Yeah, I take it literally. No, what are you talking about? I, I'm right there with you. Um, so, uh, you know, how are they mishandling God's word? Well, if they would listen to the podcast, this is just a good example from a few weeks ago when we talked on, um, say, the flat earth, flat stationary earth. Well, God says the earth doesn't move, period. It says it cannot be moved. It's on foundations. It's on pillars. He said it in the heavens that it cannot be moved, and that's what God said. So you either believe that or you believe NASA. So if I, if I choose not to believe that or if I choose to, to accommodate Science. There's the problem right so there. What you know? What's wrong with that? Okay, so then science becomes your final authority, because what you're saying is, well, I believe it is spinning through space and ungodly speed. Okay, on what authority or what, what, you know? Do you make that claim? Well, you know, NASA told me. Okay, well, you didn't say it, so you're you're believing some man. When God says, I'm telling you, it doesn't move. Mm-hmm. You know. And that's just one area. And once you open up that can of worms and you say, it doesn't mean what it says, it says something else. Same thing, Genesis chapter 3. It doesn't mean what it says. It means something else. So the devil is tampering with interpretation. Also inspiration there too. But he's saying this is, this is, what, this is what God really means right here. Yeah. And um, so it- once you start down that road, then how can we criticize the Jehovah's Witnesses for doing the same thing that we do? In John 1, 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, capital G. Not was a God, small g, like the Jehovah's Witness Bible says. And then we'll say, well, you know, and then we'll go back to our Greek or whatever, and we'll say, well, look, it's right here. Well, they've got their Greek too, mm-hmm. see? So both of them are going back to an, an authority somewhere. Yeah. That yeah. Neither one of them know what they're talking about. Uh-huh. But it's, it gets to the place where now we've got different versions of the Bible, and now we've got preachers saying, well, there's no real Bible out there that's perfect and infallible. Mm-hmm. We're just doing the best that we can to improve upon it. But all that is saying to the people that the preacher is saying that to, all that when he's preaching that is, well, I really you're teaching me and telling me that my Bible is really not reliable 100%. Yeah. yeah. And if that's true, then how do we know that if you know if we can't take the Bible literally? How do we know that we're supposed to take the gospel literally? Yeah, and that's what people say. They'll say, "Well, it's just all about the gospel as long as people are getting saved." But uh, you know, you're you're when you undermine the Bible, you undermine the very foundation, avenue, the very foundation of salvation. Now I want to uh, stop and say this too, because I've heard this actually for years, where you know a fundamental church is one that is holds to the five fundamentals of the faith, salvation by grace, virgin birth, deity of Christ, inspiration of Scripture, and to one or two more, I can't remember. But those are not the fundamentals of the faith. Because if you were to say virgin birth, then you've got to go back and say, well, where do you make the claim to say Jesus was virgin born? Well, then you have to go back to the Bible. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then if you've got a source that, that supports the Bible, well, then that, then that source becomes the fundamental of the faith. But once we get to the Bible, that's it. The Bible doesn't need a crutch. It doesn't need a wheelchair to help it to prop it up. 
the Bible is the source of all doctrine. Mm -hmm. So the Bible, we would say what we say the fundamentals of the faith are, virgin birth, blood atonement. They're they're not. Because you know it's blood atonement because of the source, Mm -hmm. of the, the fundamental, which is... The word of God. So there's only one fundamental. There's only one. Fun, there's only one foundation. Yeah. That's and only. you know, you said you said this before to me that uh, uh, when I was well trying to find my fundamental footing, so to speak, and I was like, do we really have to break fellowship with everybody that doesn't line up exactly with us? And I, and I threw one out. I was like, like what about you know people that don't hold to the King James version? You know, uh, you know what? What's can we not? Can we not have fellowship with these guys? Do we have to be so you know isolationist type thing? And you said if we can't agree. On the fountainhead of all truth, what what do we have in common? We ain't got nothing in common. And I, I see to me, I was like, oh well, let's make that a secondary issue. Everything's a secondary issue nowadays, except right. for the gospel. Which you know, what does that even mean if everything's a secondary issue? I was like, you know, why can't we have fellowship with these other churches? And uh, but it's because there's only one fundamental. It is it. There's only one fundamental of the, the word faith, of God. And it's, There's uh, only one source of truth. Jesus says, "Sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy word is truth." And Jesus and the word have got to be connected. You know, and we talked about this when we talked about revival. But uh, a lot of people are following a Jesus movement, and Jesus is completely detached from the word of God. Right. But you know, most people, uh, and we've said this before, but you gotta you gotta understand this. Most people, uh, they they are the ar- arbiters of truth. What makes sense to them? People say this all the time. Well, I just don't see how God could, or I just feel like God is this way, or whatever, and uh, because we interpret the Bible based upon how we un- what we understand. And God says, "There's a way which seemeth right, but in the end thereof are the ways of death." A lot of people think that they're doing the right thing, you know, like it seems right that God wouldn't send anybody to hell, but that's not what the truth says, you know. That seems right to us because we're so perverted in truth and justice mm-hmm. and righteousness. Yep. Yep. Um, and it, it just, communism seems so right because everybody is treated fairly and mm-hmm. everybody, you know, it, it levels the playing ground. It seems right, you know, on paper, but yes. it never works. Yes. And then it, you know, communism has destroyed, what, 100 million plus people yes. in the last 100 years? Yep. yep. Yeah. So the sermon basically boiled down to um, the Bible. The that, defense of the Word of God. That's it, you know, and uh, we got into... Uh, well, go ahead. What, what what was your sermon? Once we got once we boiled it down to this is just about the Bible, uh, and you believe in the Bible. What where did it go from there? Okay. Well, so there's all kinds of of Christian churches out there, at least they call themselves churches. But Jesus said, "You can call yourself all you want." In Revelation, remember what he said: "If you don't behave yourself, I'm going to remove your candlestick out of your place. I'm going to yeah. replace it with somebody else." You, you know, just because a, a building has a steeple on top, stained glass windows. And a sign out front that ends in the word church, you know, that doesn't mean it's a church by right. God's standard and definition. So I, I believe that all liberalism begins with a mishandling or rejection of the truth. Mm-hmm. And um, see, everybody, here's what they do. They reject truth first, and then they have to find some lie to support their false beliefs. Now, that statement you've said so many times, and uh, it, se- it sounds a little indefensible, honestly. Because people come back to you with, well, what about people who don't have the truth? And if you're going to say, if you're going to make an absolute statement like that, like everybody who ever rejected truth, uh, who believes a lie first rejected truth. Well, it seems like, no, I believed a lie first, and I have to be enlightened to the truth. No, no, because, um, okay, for example, let's just go, people say, well, there's a lot of people that die and never heard the gospel. But they did, really, when you think about it. 
Um, they didn't believe the, the, the complete gospel, um, but they were not Bible deniers. So a kid is born into this world, and then he goes to school, let's say, for example, and let's just say he's under the age of accountability. And so you're going to find out he's going to be punished when he does wrong, okay? Well, how did that kid know that he did wrong? Here he is, two or three years of age, even before going to school, two or three years of age. How did he know that? Well, God has given a conscience. Mm. So he learns real quick that he's a sinner. Mm. He learns real quick that he's doing something wrong, okay? Now, if he denies that, then he's a Bible denier. Mm. Now, he may not have read one word of the Bible, but he's a Bible denier. Yeah. Because the Bible, the final authority says that God has put it in all of our hearts. And then... um. And that would be in Romans chapter 2, I believe it is. Yeah, and Romans 1 also kind of goes up. Romans 1. When they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Yeah, because I've said this over, you know, many times, but everything about our existence points us to God. Um, and so you're kind of saying the same thing. Yes. From, the, from, from, you know, birth and as you just grow into consciousness of the world around you, the spirit within you, um, all that stuff. You do have to deny obvious truth to go down this evolution rabbit hole and all this stuff. Right. So let me continue on here. So. People that are, say, six and seven years of age in other countries, even in our own country now, God forbid, but, and so they start being taught evolution that we came from monkeys and monkeys came from amoebas and then from a big bang, everything exploded <laughs> and became, you know, yep. and nothing became everything, mm-hmm. which denies all science, common sense, yep. you know, matter and energy cannot be created or destroyed in the natural world. Of course, they teach, they, they double speak. Right. But anyway, and so. So the kid, he's seven now, and he just decides, yeah, I believe in evolution. Well, he's a Christ rejecter. Mm-hmm. He's rejected Jesus Christ because the Bible says that all things were created by him and for him and was not anything made that was made. Mm-hmm. So he becomes a Christ rejecter. Yep. And people ultimately don't die and go to hell because they didn't believe the gospel. It's because they rejected the gospel. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you'd have babies going to hell. Right. You right. see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, God has given us a capability to, at a certain time, or you have, say, challenge people. You know, it's, it's, it's anti-wokeism now. You, you can't say retarded, but I, I, you know what I mean? Or people that severely handicapped mentally, mm-hmm. um, so they can't respond, raise their hand, and come to a gospel and uh, understand all the tenets of the gospel. Right. You're telling me that that person is going to go to hell when God has not given them the ability? That's pure Calvinism. Right. Um, but yeah. um, I do believe that, that they can um, accept what God has given to them and revealed to them. David said, that little baby that died seven days later, he says, I'm going to, I'm going to heaven to be with him. Yes. And so I, I don't ever recall reading where that child <laughs> prayed the sinner's prayer. Right, right. You know? Yep. It, it's believe. Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to, believe. Believe God. Believe, and, of course, the gospel is the ultimate. God will bring you to that. For example, if the child says, yeah, I believe that this is created, you know, all the universe, then God is going to say, oh, okay, well, let me just introduce you to my word, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. And then a person's got to decide whether or not he believes in the word of God or not. Mm-hmm. But um, Well, then that's interesting what you said, a person that, that, that rejects, cre- you know, what the Bible says, creationism or, or buys into evolution or anything like that is a Christ rejecter. And that goes exactly against what, you know, this this modern Christianity movement is today because it, it wants to create this huge umbrella of Jesus. And homosexuals come under the umbrella of Jesus. Evolutionists come under the umbrella of Jesus. Socialists, communists, everybody of I all heard one moron say one time, preacher, preacher uh, uh, actually a few weeks ago, 
uh, that Jesus was a homosexual. Oh, my goodness. Unbelievable. You talk about blasphemy. That guy has got to have a lot to answer for. But that's exactly what you're saying here. It's, no, you're, you're rejecting. You're not under the umbrella of Christ. But there's this, there's this false illusion. As long as you come under this huge umbrella of, of Christianity, then somehow you're a Christian. We're all brothers. But no, uh, you're a Christ rejecter. And you think you're a Christian, but it's a, it's a, it's a Jesus not of the Bible. Um, anyway. So, yeah, so um, what causes a country to become socialistic and then communistic or, or like, like uh, fascist, you know, or what causes a church to become liberal? Mm-hmm. I believe that the churches should be the guiding light and, and should have an effect on the direction of the country and affect politics rather than politics affect the church mm-hmm. the church should be affecting politics yes. but they're two separate entities so most people would agree with what we're saying so far but i wanted to 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 bring it home and say what is happening in fundamental churches when i was in college brother howes used to say fundamentalism is the hope for america but fundamentalism has changed now we've got a new or neo fundamentalism that people that are calling themselves fundamentalists that really aren't. They're, they're really denying the Bible, or at least they're casting doubt into the authority of God's Word, for example. And, of course, I went against the preachers, and um, I started off by saying, you know, questioning God's Word is demonic mm-hmm. because that, that is a foundational truth, Genesis chapter number 3. And so... I believe that anybody that would question God's word is demonic. We see it with Jesus and Peter. When Peter did not accept what Jesus himself said, and every word that came out of Jesus' mouth was a word of God, right? And as soon as he said, well, no, you're not going to die. No, this is, no, you're wrong here, Jesus. Jesus turned around and sharply rebuked him. Get thee behind me, Satan. Right. You know? And uh, now I guess it's arguable whether or not he was talking to Peter or Satan or maybe both. <laughs> but those, those are very serious words. Yes. You know? And so who are some of the get thee behind me Satans in the pulpit today? Now, the Bible says these are ungodly men that creep in unawares. And so how do they get in? How do they do it? How does a church become liberal? And then these liberal churches affect uh, politics for socialism and where we're at today. I believe it's the churches and Christians that are really the problem that we're having in America today. Most preachers would agree, but this is, this is where we would part ways. You'll know that you're in the wrong church when you hear the preacher say the original Greek says, mm. and then adds to that with whatever changes he wants to make to the Word of God. Mm. By doing so, that just creates doubt regarding God's power to preserve His Word. Yes. When they say the original Greek, my question is, how do they know? How do they know? On what authority do they make that statement? Because the originals don't exist. Nobody has seen the original Greek. So, and if, if it was true, show us the original Greek. Yeah. Why should we believe you, preacher? Yeah. Why do, we, should, we have a word of God. Mm-hmm. And, they have a, and they'll produce a, a Greek translation. They'll say, well, here it is. And, uh, but that's but, not the original. But what is it? It's a copy, so you're trusting somebody. You're trusting somebody who cop- supposedly copied and copied, and so your your uh, your authority comes down to. And, and you read off, I mean, because you said, "Well, which Greek?" And you read off fifteen or twenty different Greek New Testaments that people can reference. That's right. And when they say the Greek says, "There's no such thing as the Greek," 
Yeah, because there's so many different ones. Right. For example, they should be at least honest enough to say, well, I'm referring to the Fell Greek New Testament or the Mill Greek New Testament or the Erasmus Greek New Testament or Stephan's Greek New Testament or Beza's Greek New Testament or Elzever's Greek New Testament. And the list just goes on. So to have to fall back onto the Greek, that is, uh, that is undermining the authority of God's Word. I think we so. either have the, the Bible or we don't. Either, right. God either preserved it by his power because he can and he said he would, or he didn't. Um, and if we got to go back to the Greek in some some iteration of some some uh, original that you say, you know, you put your trust in, well, then the common man can't trust his Bible. That's right. And then we might as well be Catholic and just starting reading the and saying that nobody can understand the Bible unless they understand a different language. It does lead to that, to where the man of God, the preacher at the pulpit is the only one who can tell you what it means. That's basically what that comes down to. You know, and the Reformation, the Reformation, I, I, I don't want to call it a revival, but perhaps a revival was in the mix. But it began with Martin Luther when he translated the Bible into the common language of the people. And that woke the people up. And then people said, well, yeah, we're not going to be shackled to Roman Catholic tradition anymore. Yeah, and when they could see all the lies they, they were being taught. They could see it right there for themselves. Here's, an, here's another buzzword. When they say that the oldest and most reliable manuscripts or text says... Again, well, then you're saying that the Bible that the people that you're preaching to in the pew, that is not the final authority. Mm -hmm. You become the final authority. See, the devil, what he did is exactly what preachers are doing. The devil is saying, I'm telling you this is what it means, and I'm telling you here's a more reliable translation of what God said. They're doing exactly the same thing, very subtly. But once we go down that road, then like like Eve, she was eaten out of his hands. Yes. And then eaten from the tree. Yes. Literally. Yeah. Uh, And here's another one, too. Um, Hold your thought. This I've heard this said by people that have tried to come to our church and try to somehow fit in. And, uh, but see, every once in a while, somebody will come and they'll say, well, you know, i got to fix the preacher. You know, he's misinformed here. Um, you can read all you want, but it's either faith or not, you mm-hmm. know. But here's what they'll say. They'll say, well, no fundamental doctrine has been denied by any of the modern versions. Now, for anybody that would make that statement, it's just pure stupid. Yeah. Because the, there is only one fundamental. Yes. Because all the so-called fundamentals rest upon the Word of God. Yeah. And if you deny that, then you have to say, well, the Mormons are good. Mm-hmm. You have to say Jehovah's Witnesses are good, Seventh-day Adventists. Because they are, they have all, they all, we taught them to do that. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, By our example. Here's another one. Good men have always agreed that the text here is in error. Well, they may be good men by your standards, but they don't have good faith as far as I'm concerned. Here's another one. This is an unfortunate translation. You hear these things, that's your buzzword to get up and get out. <laughs> really? Yeah. And, and all qualified authorities agree. So there's an argument based on authority. That's always a lie. That's always a lie. Anytime you hear the word consensus, it's Consensus, a lie. authority, yep, that's right, yep. Um, I think it's wrong to even say that the King James Bible is the best version on the market. Because that's assuming that there's other Bibles that are good, but just not as good as the King James. Mm-hmm. That opens up a can of worms right there. So there we, there we are. We, we finally hit it. <laughs> King, King James. It just comes down to, uh, you know, that's the Bible. Um, and all these things that you're saying, the Greek says this, so you got to go back to, you know, older reliable text to get the true meaning. Those are all said by these people who ascribe to modern versions. Yes. Whether it's just your typical conservative Southern Baptist who thinks the New King James is the way to go, oh, or brother. it's these people that are all the way to the Message Bible, you know. Um, every single one of those things, all of those pe- preachers who do not adhere to uh, 
to one perfect preserved word, they're all going to agree with those statements you just made. They're all going to go back and lean on the Greek. They're all going to say this is an unfortunate translation because they don't have, they don't believe the book they're, they're preaching from. That's right. I, okay, so I would challenge anybody that uh, goes to church, you just go ahead, if he uses the NIV, the ASV, or any of those perversions, you go ahead and ask him, does he believe that the Bible is wholly infallible and without error, as Jesus himself said, you know? And, um, and if he's honest, he can't say yes. That He won't say yes if he uses NIV, because the NIV, right in the very preface, says it's not, it's not a perfect version. And, and yeah, um, two things that say something different can't both be correct. That's and right. You, you get two NIVs that are contradictory because they have to change it every once in a while to renew their copyright. And all these Bibles, modern versions, every one of them has to have a certain percent of changes made just so they can, they can get their copyright. We talk about wanting to be like Jesus, you know, and following his footsteps. Jesus, he had the same issues that we have. There were perversions out there then, perversions now, okay? The Bible says we are not as many that c corrupt the word of God, okay? We just believe it. Um, there was manuscripts floating around back then, you know, um, different translations. You know, he had the Old Testament, which was written originally in Hebrew, and on the New Testament, in Jesus' day, was translated into Greek. He preached in Greek. He read from the Greek. Um, and uh, I know strong. somebody will say, well, you know, he spoke in uh, Aramaic. But that's just, a, that's just a type or a variation of Greek. But he never said a better rendering is. He never said the original Hebrew says this. He that's, never said any of that stuff. So if we want to be like Christ, why don't we just do what Jesus did? Mm -hmm. No, but see, we get too smart for our britches. Mm -hmm. Yes. We get and, handicapped you know, with higher education. Yes, and any time uh, you have to go through that route to, um, you know, to, to, to learn the, the hidden meanings or whatever, or actually to, to really understand the Bible, any time you've got to go to somebody more educated or you've got to go to college or seminary to do that, you know you're going down the wrong road. Jesus put the truth on the bottom shelf so everyone can get it. In fact, he hid it from those who were blinded by pride, like the Pharisees. He said, you're not going to understand what I say, while those who come with faith will. Amen. Uh, but one criticism I get all the time, I mean, because KJV onlyists are, they're, they're just maybe one step above flat earthers <laughs> as yeah. far as the public opinion. Oh, you're a KJVO, you're those crazy. Yeah, you know. we're criticized for believing what God said. Yes. One thing that, well, probably one of the most common uh, is, well, they'll say, well, you can't even read a 1611. You think you're you're reading the King James 1611 version. You don't even know that. You wouldn't even recognize it if. Uh, and they'll say there's been so many changes made. In fact, if you just do a cat, you know, a Google search, you'll see, you'll see it says 30,000 changes have been made to the King James version. Um, so I'm looking at one right now, and I would challenge anybody to just Google KJ 1611 KJV and and. Look for a snapshot of a page. But you can't read it. Okay. John, uh, James chapter 4, verse number 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even from your lusts that war in your members? That sounds just like what I know. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. So what were the 30,000 changes? Well, the 30,000 changes, basically. So, so what happened was, back in... 1600 they used gothic text type and now we use roman text type so basically a lot of the so-called changes are just changing the letters to match roman rather than gothic text type a lot of really? them, that's what it is typesetting in the 1600s 
was very laborious as well. I want to tell you this. You know, and it was hard to do because you had to you had to set each right. each letter. So each letter on each page had to be put into place, and you know, there's over three and a half million letters in the Word of God. Mm. So yeah, there's going to be typesetters that are going to misplace some things. That that doesn't mean because of human error. That doesn't mean that the Word of God is a, is affected. Mm-hmm. And in 1628, only 27 years after the first edition of the of the Bible, 72% of the around 400 printing corrections were already accomplished. Mm. And um, but I, here's where they want to say you got 30,000. So, like I said, you have Gothic type, right? And so in Gothic, um, a V looked like a U. Now I don't mean Gothic like teenagers running around in all black. Okay. And when we say Roman times, we don't mean like in the Roman era. We're just talking about a font style. Oh, right. Like any word processor has these. Fonts. Exactly the same thing. And so, the, if you were to go ahead and take it and type type yourself a letter and put it in say Gothic, you're going to find it's going to look just like King James. Hmm. And then if you go ahead and change it back to Roman uh, Times New Roman, it's going to change the same thing. So nobody would say you're changing anything when you do that. Mm-hmm. And so they're lying when they say, well, all these, you, you know, you're changing the, the letters. But that, so basically a V looked like a U, a J looked like an I, and an S looked like an F, okay. you know. And so that, that's all that that was. Mm. But it wasn't, it, it wasn't changing the words or anything and like that. And spelling changes, I take it, because they spelling. used to put E's on a lot of letters. Uh, Two uh, E's for we. W E E just became W E, you know, sheep, for example, instead of spelling it F H E P P E, it just became sheep S H E E P. And before anybody gets upset about that, well, let me ask you how you spell tomato or potato. Some people, I don't know, some people don't. If you remember back in the days of um, uh, George Bush's um, uh, running mate, I can see his face, but I can't. He was in New Jersey and. Uh, um, he spelled potato wrong because of the E or tomato, one of the two. Oh, meaning add an E at the end. Yes. Okay. okay. Yes, yes. You um, said O. No, an e, like, yeah, <laughs> an e at the end. <laughs> right. Um, and so, you know, that, that none of that holds up, you know. Uh, and so these textual changes, there are none. There, there's no textual changes. There's just changes in the font type. That's what it is. That's and, where they get these 30,000 this mistakes. attack, when they say, well, you can't read a 1611, just ask yourself this. Where, why are they saying that? Are they doing that to to help you have a more stronger faith in the fact that God promised to preserve every jot and tittle of the Word of God? Or are they saying, no, God didn't? So we have to make exception for the fact that He didn't do it, and now we just have to deal with the best that we've got. These all these are none of these are perfect. So our premise of the King James Bible, it is one that just says, no, we're going to trust that God did what He said. And you said this on Sunday night. the the the, the thing is, God did what he said he's going to do. He preserved his word for us. We have a reliable copy of God's word. Now, if it's not the King James, then which is it? Yes. But all these modernists, um, they say none of them. Right. We say, oh, yes. Yes, there is one. It, okay, if you want to make the case that it's the ESV, then make that case. But the problem is if you try to make that case on anything but the King James, it falls apart it like falls. a house of cards. <laughs> That's right. Yep. And people, they just, I, I believe it's not not because we don't understand it. We need an updated version. The problem is that we people read it and they don't like what it says. Mm-hmm. 
you know? Yeah. And so they've got to make changes well, to they it and they to undermine its authority. You said this. They don't do that to anything else. Shakespeare was written at the same time. And you go watch a Shakespeare play to this day, and it's going to be word for word, no updated anything. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, that, that, that is such a straw man It's life. because, like you said, we don't like what it says. And we strip it of its power. Um, we strip it of its uh, perfection uh, to, well, to, to give us wiggle room, basically, so we can go down the liberal road. So we can. So now this doesn't really mean what it says. It's not reliable, or we can't. We can't hold it. You know. Uh, you know, hold it to its its clear meaning. So now we've got all this wiggle room. This whole Greek thing. You know, I've thought about it for years and years, and and uh, been preaching on this same truth for years. But here's basically what happens. You don't like what it says, or you've fallen for the intellectualism, and everybody else says it doesn't mean. So what? You, here's what you do. You go to now. When I was. First one in the Bible college, they had Strong's Concordance. You might not know what that is. It's a big, fat book. I mean, big and fat, thousand or more pages. And it listed every single word in English and the Greek word. And, um, and then it just put it all in numbers format. Mm -hmm. So all these preachers, well, here's basically what they would do. They don't like what it says. So they'll say, well, that word must not mean what... Uh, it's supposed to mean because it doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. So there it is. Your perception becomes the final authority. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then what you're going to do is go back and you're going to look up that word in the Greek. You're going to look it up in Strong's and you're going to find there's about 20 different ways it was translated. And you're just going to pick any one of them. You're going to pick the one that, that you think fits yep. in there. So you're yep. the final authority. And it's so true. I've done that before. There's, there's a list of 20 words and some of them mean different things. Yeah. So why do you always put the one in there that you think fits the best? Mm -hmm. So you're doing. You're why the don't final you authority. That's right. Yeah. That that's what it comes. So down how to. do we know? Okay. Well, here's the thing. We got to take it by faith. Yeah, but how do we know what the word means? You're talking about what Bible? No, I'm talking about if if okay. So a lot of times they'll go down to they'll come to a verse and they'll say, well, that word seems problematic to me. Let's see what it means in the originals. Maybe that'll clear it up. Okay, so. If we're not going to go back to the original, quote-unquote, which we don't believe in the originals, we're not going to go back to the Greek, how do we know what that word means, that problematic word? What, how do we know what it means? Well, I think that who, who made anybody the, the, the um, person that understands every single word and every single verse in the Bible? I've been pastoring here for 31 years. I went to Bible college in 1981. And I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of the Bible, man, I'm still struggling with. Yep. It's just better to leave it alone yes. and just yeah. say, I don't get it. Man. When they try to clarify, a lot of times they put words in God's mouth. Yes. Yeah. But uh, also, I'll say this, the context basically makes context so is king. abundantly clear. Uh, you can even read something with words missing, and you know what the missing words are just because of the context. Um, so, you know, uh, the Bible is the best definer of the Bible. Yeah, and especially uh, when we try to take up um, the the Hebrew, you know, and people come, well, how do you even know what the word was? Because they were, they were all together and there was no vowels. <laughs> <laughs> and we just got to trust God. But I love what you say. You got these these uh, PhD preachers, you know, that are playing Yahtzee with a bunch of Greek That's exactly Greek words. What they're That's doing. what it is, because you can just mix and match all the Greek words that you want to, and, and, and next thing you know, you've got this fresh take. And a lot of times that's what it comes down to. You want to have the, 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 the fresh take, the new idea that's, you know, people are like, wow, I never saw it, never thought of that before. And let me say something else since we're on it. 
And anybody that starts telling you that how the word was used in that era or, you know, that cultural setting, well, my question is, well, your problem is, so the cultural setting that you know nothing about has become your final authority. Mm, wow. It, it stops with the, the Bible. It stops with the Bible. Yeah, if God is all-powerful, can't can he write a book that transcends all culture and time? That's like Joshua. You know, when Joshua said, son, stand still, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's either it's either right or wrong. Yeah. You know? Yep. But God says the son has a circuit. Yep. God says God himself, Psalm chapter number 19, the circuit of the son. Yep. And uh, But, you know, the Bible, it really does uh, explain itself. I can't remember. Several people have said, "Boy, I'll tell you what, the Bible sure does shed a lot of uh, a, a lot of truth on the commentaries, you know? <laughs> and the Bible really clears up the commentaries." But, yeah. but how can they say that? But then run to the commentary. The Bible is the very source of truth. Yes. Yep. Well, and another thing about you know, you know, the, the, when these they want to defend their acceptance of modern versions, is they'll say, "Well, nothing," you know. Is only small changes, insignificant changes. But uh, you had that one right there on your uh, sermon of just moving one word or one letter or one comma can change the entire meeting from being me saying one thing to saying the exact opposite. Yeah, you were just saying something. What was it? Let's yeah, let's eat, Grandma. Like if you can say, hey, Grandma, let's eat, Grandma. There's a comma there. And if it's not there, you're saying, well, let's eat grandma, yeah. you know, and just move the comma. Next thing you know, you've got cannibalism. Uh, and yeah. just him that stole steel. <laughs> exactly. Him that stole commas, steal no more. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, so those, those small insignificant, that's, that's a, that's a ridiculous argument uh, for anybody. But then, but then you have to, you have to defend the fact that the Bible is perfect. I mean, in every jot and tittle. And people will attack that. They'll attack that idea and say, well, no, what about these inconsistencies? Even inconsistencies amongst King James versions that people haven't, you know, King James-only people. They're different different uh, trans- uh, editions or, or um, uh, publishers have supposed inconsistencies in it. Yeah, them. if I were to tell, if I had a class here, and I would say, all right, I want you to all write down John 3.16. Okay? And so everybody does, but one kid forgets uh, the four at the beginning. It still doesn't mean that somehow now that proves that the King James is somehow, you know, er, you know, full right. of errors right. because one kid copied it wrong. Right. Yes. Ninety nine percent of all the manuscripts out there agree together 100 percent of the time, almost 100 percent of the time. And, um, and they want to destroy our faith in God's word based upon one percent of that supposedly contradicts, but doesn't contradict. Well, we could go on and on about this forever. Well, and let me say this: you have um, done, taught on this every single year during the summer, and and it's always a fresh take. And um, and uh, they are so good. So, and you've got honestly anybody who would spend a couple weeks in those Sunday school lessons when you teach on this. I mean, you would be you'd convince anybody. I honestly feel that way uh, because you've got facts and you've got illustrations of all this stuff, and uh, it is so compelling. But uh, there's no way we can do justice to even to this topic for 45 well, minutes. Well, what I've thought about asking you about, and maybe some of our listeners can maybe chime in about it, a lot of what we talk about is from sermons preached, but not all of them. And um, we could all, and I thought about this, you know, publishing maybe a snippet of the message uh, on, like say, we did, Thursdays. Like we do with Flat Earth. Flat Earth, you know, and uh, just make that available because and it'd be awful hard to find now. They're looking back three or four or yeah. five years. But, yes, I have taught on the King James Bible 
every year in the summer, two or three, most of the time, three, sometimes four weeks in a row um, on why we believe the King James is the very... And you've heard it all. I mean, people come to you with like, well, yeah, but what about this? As if you've never heard it. Man, you've been in the ministry for many, many decades. And I shouldn't say three decades, four decades, but... uh, uh, It feels like forever. But anyway, so you've heard it before. People think, well, he must not be thinking, he must not know about this. He must not have thought of this. But... um, You've got some compelling uh, lessons. I got to tell topic. you something about that. So I was talking to somebody a little while ago, and so they said, "I got some questions for you, um, and uh, y- you know about literal interpretation. What about this, that, and the other thing?" I said, "If that's the strongest that you've got, I said I could give you some harder questions for me to answer than those." Yeah, they're <laughs> out there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, but that doesn't mean that I know everything. Right. Um, but well, we're just all. But we at least agree with. We may not have a corner on the truth, but we know that the the, the truth can be cornered in the Word of God. In the Word of God. Yeah. So uh, maybe we maybe we'll do that, and we'll start. And because you edit them down, you know, the flatter second flatter sermon. Once you edit it, it was just 17 minutes. You could do the same to some of these other things we talk about. But also before we sign off, uh, I wanted to mention we did not forget about talking about music. But you started, you preached this on Sunday night, and boy, you were fired up Sunday night. And I was like, man, we got to do a podcast on that. You got me fired up, and we got to talk about that. So um, we will get to music, and uh, if you were hoping that was this week, I'm sorry about that, but we'll, uh, we'll get to that as well. I'm excited about talking about that as well. A lot of this is off the cuff. Yeah. I mean, we just we just meet together in the morning and say, what are we going to talk about? And whatever we're fired up about is what we're going to talk about. Yes. Even when we try to talk about something else, next thing you know, we're talking We're back about, where we're going to be. Uh, so, yeah. But uh, anyway, we do appreciate you listening, and uh, uh, stay tuned for next week. We'll be back with you. Have a good day.